All right, we're in the sort of last session on, all right, so how do we get to some specific help and hope here? And I want to um, start with um, those that are, uh, we're in the world, all of us are in the world, but you're not a follower of Jesus Christ. You, you've never uh, embraced Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And we all once were there. So uh, we've all had different journeys, uh, different stories in our lives. And in Ephesians chapter 2, it says, You were dead in trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and of the mind, and were by nature just children of wrath like the rest of mankind. Uh, we all were there. We were born that way. And so I want to just talk to those who are here that um, you are part of the world, as we all are, but you're not a follower of Jesus Christ. Con concerning your concerns and worry and anxiety, what the world has to offer, that's the best. Between therapies, psychologies, medications, that's the only way. And, and they'll just tell you, they're, they're treating symptoms. Uh, they don't know what causes uh, worry, they don't have a cure for it. So you're in a place where um, the only thing is which, which is the best therapy on the deck of a sinking ship. And I remember uh, uh, talking with one, she was a 14-year-old girl struggling with anorexia, uh, starving herself to death, and her parents... Uh, were with her, and she didn't want. Uh, she was going to group therapy. Uh, then she was wanting some help, and so her parents says, well, would you be willing to talk with her? Um, we love her. We don't want to see her die. I mean, just the ache and pain of a parent uh, of a 14-year-old. And so I met with her, and her parents were there, and she said, uh, you know, and I was talking about the best the world has to offer uh, for herself. I talked about her heart, worship of her heart, and um, she didn't want it. She didn't want uh, what God has to offer. She didn't want Jesus Christ, didn't want hope, because none of the other therapies and group therapies were offering hope. Uh, even in Ephesians chapter 2, it says we all once were without hope. Uh, you know, down in verse uh, 12, uh, we were strangers. We were all without hope. <clears throat> and the next phone call I get, because she didn't want to keep meeting, is a medical doctor that I worked with. I wouldn't uh, counsel someone with uh, that particular eating disorder of anorexia without medical supervision. One out of ten drop dead. That's a sobering statistic. Uh, 
so they feel well, but then they, they die. They don't even understand their body is just consuming itself and their heart muscle is weakening and just things that are going on internally. So the doctor called me and said, I saw her. Parents brought her by. She is, um, she's not in a good place physically. She's lying to her parents, uh, telling them things that, um, it's not true. So I'm not um, really comfortable seeing her outside a hospital now. And uh, I, I grieved to hear that. She's sinking, right? She's on a deck. It's going underwater here. And I went to see the parents at the hospital. And I, as soon as I get off the, the elevator on a particular floor, it was, they had a whole wing, a whole wing of the hospital for eating disorders. And I heard this yelling, I mean, just screaming. As soon as I got off the the elevator, and I'm, whoa, what's going on? And I went out in the hallway, and I looked down, and I saw her parents out in the hallway, and the the mother was in her her father's arms, and she's just weeping. And it wasn't the mother that was yelling. It was their daughter. And so as soon as I made it to them, I looked in the room, and... The staff was holding her down on the bed, strapping her arms to the bed because they put an IV in her and she ripped it out. So there's blood. It just, it was chaotic. Uh, and the, she was just screaming because now she doesn't have control. The control had went to an idolatrous position. And she told me, uh, even in there with her parents, my parents... Um, control everything in my life, but I control my own body. That's what she said. 14 years old. I control my own body. But now she's not controlling her own body. Uh, the staff is doing that to keep her alive, to keep her up a deck, to keep her up. And um, the head of that wing of the counseling uh, came by and was talking with us and said, you know, we have a group. Uh, here and we meet regularly and she can be a part of that and and I, it was so hard because she doesn't want what can get her off that ship that sinking what the world has to offer it's it's sinking and i put there in your notes there's there's a way this is the proverbs 14:12 this is what god says there's a way that seems right to a man but its end is the way to death. Um, and um, I don't know whatever happened with her. I pray that the seed that was planted, I went over the gospel with her. I pray that the seeds that were planted by her parents, who are believers in Jesus Christ, that, that God brought an increase uh, in her life and that she's no longer... Um, in that kind of a situation. So just a, a good reminder of all that the world has to offer, there's no hope. Um, and there are decks that are better than others. Right? There are decks that, oh, that's a little bit better of a therapy than this one. Okay. Um, but it's not a solution. It's not a cure. It's not, there's no hope there. It's just taking you up for a moment in time. But there is no hope outside of one person, which is Jesus Christ.
And it's all on the, the Titanic. So if anyone is outside of Christ, not, not a follower of Christ, the best you can do is cope with life. And the, the concerns, you're looking for therapies, you're looking for medications. It's temporary, but it's not a solution, uh, and there's no hope in it. Hopefully... If you are not a follower of Christ, you're in the world. We all are in the world. But, not, but you're wanting to know Jesus Christ. You go, I'm tired of groping around in the dark. I'm tired of going up and down one deck after another and one, trying one therapy after another. Um, I want to know Jesus Christ, to be rightly related to him, to have my biggest concerns, my eternal concerns handled, as well as my temporary concerns. Well, he is, Jesus is the great physician. He is the cure for all of our concerns, eternal and temporary. So our present concerns. Um, I, I remember reading uh, a particular book uh, written by um, a godly man back in the 1600s. And at first I, I had a real difficulty with uh, the phrase to love yourself. You know, love your neighbor as you love yourself. I'm going, but all self-love isn't good. You know, selfish, you know, look at yourself and just loving yourself, that's not good. But it says, love your neighbor as you love yourself. So there's got to be something in there that's good. Otherwise, don't love your neighbor. You know? <laughs> uh, so the Lord, you know, love God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and then love your neighbor as you love yourself. And then in Ephesians 5, it says, no man ever hated his own flesh, but he nourishes and cherishes it. And you're going, there's something right about self-love, and there's something very wrong about it. So I was reading this. Godly man wrote a book back in the 1600s. And in it, he said, oh, yeah, there is a righteous self-love, and there is an unrighteous self-love. You go, oh, okay, how... How do you navigate through that? And the the righteous self-love does two things. You'll seek the greatest blessing for yourself. The righteous self-love. You'll seek the greatest blessing for yourself, which is Jesus. If you want what's really best for yourself, you'll follow what God says is best for yourself, which will take you to Jesus. Are you following? You track that? And you go, oh, okay. You'll be blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places through faith in Jesus Christ. It's the very best. Idolatry is self-deceiving, self-destructive, and self-serving. So the fact that God wants us don't worship anything but him, it's for our good. He's jealous for us in a good way. He wants to bless us, right? Surely goodness and blessing shall follow you all the days of your life. So a real self-love that's righteous and you want the greatest blessings for yourself, then you'll go to Christ because in him are found all of the blessings. Now, the other part of self-love that's good and righteous is you'll want to preserve yourself from the greatest harm. You'll want to love yourself and preserve yourself from the greatest harm. That's why we 
don't drive close to a cliff. You'll want to move away from harm, which will take you to Jesus. Because the greatest harm is to reject Jesus and spend eternity in hell. That's where everyone's headed apart from Christ. So if you want to bless yourself, you go to Jesus. If you want to protect yourself from the greatest harm, you'll go to Jesus. That's righteous self-love. And if you love other people like that, what will you be wanting in their life? I want you to be blessed and go to Jesus. I want you to keep from harm and go to Jesus. The unrighteous self-love is when Jesus isn't even on your radar. This is when you want to love yourself for you. It's all about you. And you will neglect God and you will neglect other people. Then it's unrighteous. It's self-serving, self-focused, self-promoting. It's all about you. And you'll want other people to love you because you love you. (laughs) And it's all centered on yourself rather than the righteous kind of self-love takes you to God and other people. That was really helpful for me when I'm thinking about wanting to know Jesus. That's your greatest blessing. That is your greatest protection from harm. I mean, eternal harm. So the cure for your temporal concerns, uh, he has answers for that. I'm going to talk about that right after uh, this point is um, but your eternal concern uh, is going to deal with what's known as the gospel. The gospel is just a word that means good news. There are false gospels out there. There's a false gospel of the good news is um, your self-esteem, uh, your felt needs are the greatest thing in your life. That's People say, well, there's good news. It's all about you and self-esteem. There's, there's good news out there, a false good news, a prosperity gospel, the prosperity good news, which is name it and claim it. God's here to serve you. A God is here to serve you. So there's false gospels. Out there, Second Corinthians chapter eleven says there were different gospels moving around the church at Corinth. But there's a true gospel or true good news, and that involves the Lord Jesus Christ. And so I wanted to just take a, a, a few minutes here, and this is just a diagram that gives you kind of a a, a panorama of this, things we're going to just talk about for a second. First, who God is, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, often represented as a triangle. Uh, They're equal as persons. They're three separate persons, but equal, one God head, one God, but three persons. Then you have the world and man, Adam and Eve. Uh, God created Adam and Eve. We didn't evolve. And he created Adam and Eve and everything in six literal day periods of time, 24-hour days. Boom. He spoke. It happened. That's the kind of God we worship and serve. That's the first two chapters of Genesis, the book of Genesis. 
And then chapter 3 of Genesis, we find um, a, an angel that rebelled against God is on earth, and he tempts Adam and Eve, the first two human beings that God created, and we see sin enter the world through the first Adam, Adam and Eve. So we have sin, and it's a debt. It's a heavy burden. We can't get rid of it. The Lord says if, God, if, if you were to count iniquities, who would stand? So it's, it's, it's an innumerable amount of laws we've broken that God has given us. So what God did, since we can't make our way to heaven and, can't, and we can't be perfect, is he sent his perfect son, the Lord Jesus Christ, sometimes represented as the, uh, the God-man, fully righteous. He completely obeyed uh, the law. Uh, he took, he died on the cross, um, taking the sins of those that would believe in him. He died, buried, rose again, and then we need to respond to that, and God graces us with the ability to respond. So he graces us. We couldn't come up with this on our own. He seeks us, and then he graces us with the ability to repent and believe. It takes knowledge of the facts of of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It takes agreeing with those facts. It takes turning turning from trusting in yourself to trust and follow the Lord Jesus Christ entirely with your life, as Savior and Lord of your life. All three, your thinking, your affections, and your volition are all changed from the inside, wrought by the Spirit of God. And then there's blessing ahead, as I mentioned, just the greatest blessings in Christ. And that doesn't always mean physical blessings per se, but you are now rightly related to God through faith in Christ. You get a family of the church, um, the Holy Spirit, another the other member of the, the Trinity comes and indwells you. Uh, there's so many blessings in Christ. But then there's a warning for those who say, nope, not for me. Sort of like that first picture that I had there. Your, life is hard. It gets harder. And there's no hope apart from turning to Christ. So there's warnings in the Bible for those who refuse, who reject. But there's blessings for those who respond. So what I want to do here is I want to take down here and I want to just kind of walk through this. I'm not going to go on and on and on. We can talk more afterwards if you would like. But I just want to briefly talk about those who say, I'm here, I want... I want this kind of, of help and hope. I've been out there. I've been up and down the decks of the various counseling and therapies, um, but I don't have peace in my own heart and soul, and I, I'm, I'm being drawn. I, I, I want this. I want Christ. I want hope and help. So this is what's called the good news of Jesus Christ, the gospel of Jesus Christ. Um, I want to talk about uh, the various areas there, the character of God, uh, the character of man, the great dilemma that we're in, uh, God's answer to our dilemma, then how can I be saved, and then the Christian life after being saved, and then a strong warning.
First, you have the character of God. What is he like? Uh, this is, he is love. God defines himself. He said he is love. Uh, this is part of his very being and nature. Verses like 1 John 4, 8. Anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. We don't define God and love. He defines himself and uh, what love is. Psalm 103, 8. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love. Uh, he is both giver and forgiver. He is good to all people in some ways, and he's good to some people, his own children, in all ways. He is also holy. So he is set apart from all creation. Verses like Isaiah 6.3, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And First John 1.5, God is light and in him is no darkness at all. There's no impurities. He's perfectly holy and righteous. And in fact, that he's righteous, he's morally excellent, perfect in all his works, decrees and judgments. No error. That's the kind of God that created this earth. This is the kind of God that uh, discloses himself in the scriptures. This is the, the God that's calling us to himself. Verses like Psalm 9, 7 and 8. But the Lord sits on throne forever. He has established his throne for justice. And he judges the world with righteousness. He judges the peoples with unri- uh, unrighteousness or un- up- uprightness, sorry. Jeremiah 17.10, the Lord, I, the Lord, search the heart, and I test the mind to give to every man according to his ways, according to the fruit of his deeds. Uh, he, he is right. He's the standard. And God is also just. That means he must punish lawbreakers. He sets the law, and if we break his law, there's consequences. That's because he's just. Verses like Deuteronomy 32.4. The rock, his work is perfect, for all his ways are justice. A God of faithfulness and without iniquity, just and upright is he. And a uh, familiar verse, Exodus 34.7. The Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, but he will by no means clear the guilty. So that's his justice. Now you have the character of man. And again, there's a lot more characteristics about God. That's just a sample of them. Humans, human beings, are made to worship God alone. Adam and Eve were made to worship God. Actually, they did. They walked with the Lord in the garden uh, when he had created them. In Deuteronomy 10, he says, Now, Israel, what does the Lord your God require of you but to fear the Lord your God, to walk in all his ways, to love him, to serve the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, to keep the commandments and statues of the Lord which I am commanding you today for your good. Everyone, he says, who is called by my name, whom I have created for my glory, whom I formed and made. We were created to worship him, to bring him the glory, the weight uh, due his name, to ascribe glory to his name. But we're morally corrupt now since Genesis 3. First Adam sinned and everyone born of Adam has sinned. Only one who was not born of man and woman 
um, was Jesus Christ. When he came, he added humanity to his divinity in the incarnation. So humans are morally corrupt. We're inclined toward evil. We're at odds with God. In Colossians, it says we're hostile of mind. Uh, We're not seeking after God. We don't want God. We suppress the truth about God in Romans chapter 1. So Jeremiah 79, the heart's deceitful above all else, and it's desperately sick. Who can understand it? And a verse that we read, for out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false witness, and slander. That's the heart. Someone says, oh, I love you with all my heart. Keep it. (laughs) I don't want your heart. Uh, Not that one. Not that one. But humans, human beings are guilty and condemned, every human without exception. Romans 3, verses 10 through 12, it's written, none is righteous, no, not one. Oh, they, they're, they're so good, they're like perfect. No, no human being uh, born among man and uh, woman, uh, none are righteous, no, not one. No one understands, no one seeks for God. Uh, you go... Well, I don't know, the different religions, they don't seek after this God. They seek after a God, the moon God, the sun God. They're seeking after false gods, but no one on their own seeks after this God. He seeks after us. And that humbles us. This perfect God seeks us. And it says... No one seeks for God. All have turned aside. Together they have become worthless. No one does good, not even one. Psalm Psalm 130, verse 3. If you, O Lord, should mark iniquities, O Lord, who could stand? There's just no one that can make their way to heaven on their own because heaven's perfect with a perfect God and we would spoil the whole thing. There's nothing in this world you need more desperately than Jesus Christ and his gospel. Nothing. This is the most major concern you should have, is where am I at with Jesus Christ? And that is the greatest concern. That's an eternal concern. So here's the great dilemma. It's comforting to know that the sovereign ruler of the universe is holy and righteous instead of fully evil. He's not a bad God. He's perfect. That's comforting. But it's also disturbing that he's holy and righteous. What will he do to all of us sinners who are not holy and righteous? So it's kind of a dilemma. He's he's good, he's, he's loving, but he's also righteous and just. So there's kind of a dilemma. If he is righteous and holy, shouldn't he condemn us all? And how can God be holy yet befriend human beings whose hearts are self-centered, inclined to evil, and disobedient? So there's kind of this question mark. Either God must act according to his justice, condemning the sinner to be punished, which would be just, or God must act according to his love, saving the sinner while compromising justice, making him a liar. How's he going to, we can't solve this thing. How's he going to solve it? 
How can he be fully loving and yet fully just? And that's where the gospel comes in. This is the good news. And if you haven't kind of made it to that point yet, it's like you may not understand and appreciate where we're going now. You have to see yourself as, I am, I am poor and needy, I am wretched, I am unrighteous, I deserve hell, there's nothing I can do. My goodness is, is like filthy rags, my righteousness is like filthy rags in the sight of God. There's nothing I can do. You have to kind of get there. We often call that, that's the bad news before the good news. God's answer to our dilemma, this is how God maintains his justice and his love at the same time. Jesus is the only answer. Jesus is the only name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. His righteous life. He kept the law perfectly. 100%. Straight A's uh, according to the law. Passed every test. He, He lived perfectly, righteously. Jesus bore our sin, uh, 2 Corinthians 5.21, for our sake. He made him, Jesus, to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. We often refer to as the substitutionary atonement. He takes our place. He took our place. If we have faith in him, he took our sin, (laughs) removed our sin, and then he imputes his righteousness his perfect life comes to our account. Our sin goes to his account. You go, I didn't deserve that. That's right. He chose to do that. That is mercy and grace and love. He suffered our curse. In Galatians 3.13, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. The Father's, the wrath of God went right on Christ that we deserved. He was forsaken by God in our place. First time the Father ever turned away from his Son from all eternity past. We have no idea what that's like. We might get a little glimmer of it, maybe when we get to heaven, but it's just hard to understand what all that, the forsaking meant. For a member of the Trinity, they've always had the one unity fellowship uh, and he had to turn away because he was bearing our sin and the wrath of the Father. About the ninth hour in Matthew 27, it says, Jesus cried out with a loud voice saying, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And we're coming up on Good Friday, you know, remembering what the Lord went through here. In Psalm 711 It says, God is a righteous judge and a God who feels indignation and anger every day, and that went on his son. It was towards us. I mean, we were recipients of his anger and wrath, but he took that and put it on Christ. He died in our place in Luke 23, verse 46. Then Jesus, calling out with a loud voice, said, Father, into your hands I Commit my spirit, and having said this, he breathed his last. So he died. But three days later, Matthew 28, 6, he arose. He's not here, the angel said, for he's written, risen, as he said. Come, see the place where he lay. He's, he's not dead. The tomb's empty. 
So what does this mean for me and the implications for my problems? This is how to be saved. Matthew 7 says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven, on that day many will say to me, Lord, Lord, do we not prophesy in your name, cast out demons in your name, and do many works in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from you. Depart from me, says you workers of lawlessness. So people who just say, oh yeah, I'm a Christian, I'm a Christian, I'm a Christian, but they live a whole life of habitual disobedience. They're not following Christ. They may say, Lord, Lord, but he's going to, I never knew you. You don't get Jesus as Savior, not as Lord. He comes united, not divided. In John 3, a very familiar verse to all of us, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. This true saving faith has three key parts. First, there's the knowledge of the the truths of Christ, uh, often uh, there in John 17. This is eternal life that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. There's knowledge of who Jesus is, He's always been God. He added humanity to his divinity. He lived that perfect life, what he accomplished on the cross. You have to have the knowledge of the truth of Christ and what he accomplished on the cross. A gospel is often adult-like content with a childlike response. You don't dilute the gospel, the good news of Jesus. It's adult-like content, what he accomplished, his life, death, burial, resurrection, but it solicits a childlike response of faith and trust in the Lord. And you also have to agree with that knowledge. This deals with our affections and that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. So you know that, but do you agree with it? And finally, there is a turning from self to trust in the Lord Jesus alone Uh, So seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord that he may have compassion on him and to our God for for he will abundantly pardon. So the God who loves us and is just provided a way that he's consistent with himself and he offered salvation to us who didn't deserve to be saved, but that's his love and care and compassion and his mercy that he demonstrated. So an honest look, examine yourselves and see whether you're really in the faith and test yourselves. Twice it says that in one verse. Don't be deceived. So you have the knowledge, agreement, and the personal trust. How do I personally trust? Well, you you have to turn to Christ, believe in him, turn away from self, turn away from sin, to follow him. I already read the John 3.16. Uh, if a person trusts in Christ, has a, been given a new heart to respond, 
is now reconciled with God. Two have been made right. Sin always separates. Now they're brought together. What's the Christian life like after salvation? Am I perfect? I don't struggle with concerns anymore that turn to worry. Do I not struggle with sin anymore? No, you will. You will, but there's hope and help, though. You you don't live like you used to. Uh, now you're right with God. God is, is here walking with you. The Holy Spirit love, lives in you. But he, you have a new heart. As Ezekiel 36 even promised what was going to happen, I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you shall be clean from all your uncleanness. And from all your idols I will cleanse you. And I will give you a new heart and a new spirit. It's often referred to the new covenant. Uh, I will put within you, and I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. Now you can respond. You're not hostile and hard-hearted. And I'll put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statues and be careful to obey my rules. So it's a process. We keep growing more today than yesterday, more tomorrow than today. Um, it's not perfect. It's not a straight line up. It's, it's kind of wavy. We're up and we're down, but the trajectory is upward uh, to be more like our Savior, to love him more, to hate what he hates, to love what he loves. And 2 Corinthians 3.18 says, And we all with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image, from one degree of glory to another, for this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. So how do we deal with our own struggles, which become worship disorders? Uh, just struggles within with various things. These are just typical things that we struggle with. There are many of them, but there are some that are just common to man. There's no temptation taken us, but such is common to man. And these are common temptations. Uh, the external, how we look and appear to other people. That's the uh, wanting people's approval. That's just common to man. Uh, we have to fight that, you know, every day. Of it, it, what matters is what the Lord thinks. And I want to please Him, and I don't want to fear man. And then struggling with a love for the world. I just want to love what's in the world. The lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life, that's of the world. And there's still this pull, there's still this drawing. Um, all the advertisements are just appealing, pulling us in that direction. Then the popularity, you know, we want others' attention and approval or control. They're just common desires that become lustful and can become idolatrous. So we're worshiping the Lord and we're worshiping you know, it's convoluted, syncretistic worship. And the Lord's trying to purify our worship more of him because that's the way that he blesses us the most is to keep away from self-serving, self-seeking and to find our joy in the Lord Jesus Christ. And then we're loving others well when we're loving him well. But there is a strong warning in the Bible for those who reject this truth. The one who rejects the gospel, that's the only hope that God offers the world. That God offers the world. Satan offers all kinds of false hopes. All on that deck of, of a sinking ship. There's all kinds of false hopes. 
He only offers one hope and one person, and that's the Lord Jesus Christ. You won't find it, find anything else. There is no name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved, except the name of Christ. Your life will be hard. Proverbs 13.10, the way of the transgressor. No, uh, yeah, 15.10. The way of the transgressor is hard, and it, it gets harder. Uh, you keep turning away from the truth and light of the Lord Jesus Christ. It just gets harder. If you want to study abnormal psychology, move away from Jesus. The more you move away from Jesus, the more abnormal you will be. Bizarre-like behavior, um, unless it's organically, something going on majorly and organically in your body, um, is just moving further away from Jesus. It's a harder life. And if you die that way, you'll be separated from God eternally. We're all going to be resurrected. Some unto life, some unto eternal death, where the soul doesn't die. It's just in torment forever and ever. We all will be resurrected if we die. We'll all be resurrected, some unto life who had faith in Jesus Christ, and then those who did not, unto eternal death, separated from God forever. So 2 Corinthians 6, 2. In a favorable time, I listened to you. In a day of salvation, I have helped you. Behold, now is the favorable time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. I I just want to encourage you. If you're here today and you're going, I I came because I'm just anxious about so many things in my life, maybe this was to help you go, there's even a bigger concern then then, uh, inflation and the wars and the virus and all, oh, there's a bigger concern. And that can be handled today. That can be solved today by turning to Jesus Christ with repentance of sin and faith towards Jesus. That can be solved today. And if you're going, I'd like to talk to somebody, please stay afterwards. There there are several in here who would be glad to talk with you. And, and just kind of walk you through, pray with you. But that, I'd say today, I mean, right there, behold, now's the day. You don't know what tomorrow holds. Today is the day. So let me go back now to the first set of notes. Now, if you're in the world, which we all are, and if you're not in Christ, uh, there's no hope uh, outside of Jesus for those who are in the world, but you're wanting that, uh, that hope and a cure for your concerns, eternal and temporal, it's the good news of Jesus Christ to turn to him that we just went through from the word of God. Now, how about those who are in the world, the rest of us, and we are a Christ follower. We have turned from self to turn to Jesus. 
What hope and help is here for us? Well, it's continual communion with Jesus Christ. It's abiding in him, using the spiritual disciplines, what we call spiritual disciplines. The Bible calls about Bible reading and meditation on truth, and then you apply it to your life. So hearing the word of God and doing the word of God, that's one of the, the ways that this abiding takes place. He said, if you abide in me and I abide in you and my words abide in you, and then there's prayer. So they say breathing in is taking in God's word. Breathing out is talking to God in prayer. So we, we commune with God. He talks to us through his word. We talk to him through prayer. And then there's the fellowship of God's people. So if you don't have a church that you're a part of, um, hope that you come here tomorrow. Uh, I know there are other churches represented, but it, just look geographically. Where's there a really good gospel uh, of Christ kind of preaching, teaching church? Hopefully that you'll go to one of those that are represented here. But for the Christian Christ follower, what are some possible growth projects? I gave you uh, part of your notes here is a tool because concerns deal with thoughts and desires. When we have concerns, it's a thought and a desire. It's not just I have a feeling. I have a concerning feeling. No, no, I have a concern, and it involves something that I'm thinking and wanting. Well, what do I do with that? To keep it in a righteous direction and so it doesn't go into worry, sinful worry. Well, let's go to Philippians chapter 4, and here the Lord, through Paul's pen, gives us some help and instruction here. Um, here's how to help with anxiety. He, he's uh, writing a letter to this church at Philippi. Several things going on at the church. He wants to encourage them. Uh, there's a couple of ladies that aren't getting along. Uh, that are near and dear to Paul. So he wants to talk to them and get some help to help them work through their issues and be in harmony uh, in verses 1 and 2. I'm sorry, in 2 and 3 of chapter 4. Yodi and Syntyche. He wants them to be in harmony, and the way to get in harmony is have humility. So he addresses that in chapter 2. Probably one of the greatest chapters on humility, chapter 2 comes right before I'm going to call two ladies out by name. Aren't you thankful we didn't, we're not living in that first century church where our names might actually pop up uh, in the Bible. We'll get to heaven and go, oh, you're Yodia and Syntyche. Uh, yeah. So there, there are names that are, uh, and that was, Paul loved these two ladies. They served with him in the gospel ministry. A lot of women served there in the book of Acts. Uh, in the early church. But these two weren't getting along. We don't know exactly what the problem was, but they needed humility. And he addresses that in chapter 2. Then after the harmony issue, their they're work helped them get in harmony, agree in the Lord. He gets goes to verse 3. And before I read this, for those of you who are followers of Christ, you believed in Jesus Christ, if you're ever worrying, 
usually people will take you to Matthew 6 that we looked at earlier. Or they'll say, oh, you need to go to Philippians chapter 4 and memorize or read verses 6 and 7. And you're going, why? Verse 6 starts right in the middle of a sentence. Why would you start in the middle of a sentence? You know, the verses, the, the numbers weren't there in the original letters. Just so you know, uh, that's why the Lord just, when he quotes, he says, it's written <laughs> because there weren't any chapters and verses. They were just letters and books, and it uh, doesn't work on exams and quizzes. Uh, but these weren't there, these little dividing things up. So after harmony with the two ladies, it really begins in verse 4. There's a rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand or the Lord is near. Uh, I'm calling that in the worksheet there um, a a right awareness and response to the Lord. It's a doxology. It's Remember, when you worry, God's usually not in your thoughts. This is bringing God into your thoughts. Rejoice in him if you're in Christ. He saved you. That's just a theme through the book of Philippians. There's a joy in the Lord and our salvation. Look what he's done. Look who he is. So it's like a doxology. Rejoice in the Lord. And again, I say rejoice. And then let your reasonableness, it could be translated gentleness, but let your reasonableness be known to everyone. Do you know what a phobia is again? It's irrational. You're not reasonable. Let your reasonableness be made known to all people, to everyone. And then it says the Lord is at hand. Now that could mean that the Lord's right here. We're always in the presence of God. Where can you go from his spirit? Right? If you send to heaven, he's there. If you make your bed in Sheol, he's there. Where can you go from his presence? He's omnipresent. The Lord's here. It could mean that. It also could mean the Lord's return is near. The Lord's coming back, and it's near. We're 2,000 years closer. It could be today. It could mean that. It could mean both, because both are true. Both are true. The Lord's right here. You know, we, we pray for one another. Lord, go be with so-and-so. I think he is. <laughs> and you're always in the presence of God. And if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit indwells you and never leaves you. You're sealed for the day of redemption. So, yeah, but we know what we need. Just let them be aware of your presence uh, as you're with them. That's what, really what we should pray. If I have a concern and I'm starting to veer off into worry, that means God usually is not on my, my mind. I'm not thinking about God. I'm just thinking about the concern. So let's say it's late at night and the door, uh, our outside door is like someone's trying to get in. I could have a concern and it could start going, oh, no, what's going to happen? And What's going to happen? Remember, what if, what if, what if? Oh, no, someone's going to break in here, and now it's going to fear. But if I go, wait, uh, um, 
I have two off-duty police officers sitting in here from small group, and uh, if someone's trying to break in, have at it. Uh, They're near. Don't worry. You kind of catch this when it goes right in the middle of a sentence. It kind of misses the point of be anxious for nothing. But if you start the sentence, the Lord's right here. Don't be anxious. Ah, yeah, yeah, that's right. That's right. God's bigger. He's here. Don't worry. Memorizing verses 6 and 7 is why so many people go, I've done that, I've done it. It doesn't seem to help. You know, it, it wasn't meant to be, quote, the cure, the solution for believers who are dealing with concerns going to worry. So you have a, sort of a, a doxology, a right dwelling um, on the, the Lord, being reasonable. So it's a right awareness of God. Then we go to right praying, which is verses 6 and 7. This is how you pray right in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God. Often those are four different words that show up for prayer, and they all involve you speaking. You don't listen in prayer. You speak in prayer. And some of the words like prayer at the beginning is a big general term, the most common general term for prayer. It would involve adoration, uh, confession, uh, even supplication. When they're pulled together, you've got adoration, confession, um, and even intercession for other people in that. You have the word for thanksgiving. Uh, you can see this similar uh, phraseology in 1 Timothy 2.1 when we pray, prayer, supplication, intercessions, petitions, thanksgiving. And then you have let your request, your petitions, lift your, your concerns up to the Lord. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, it'll walk guard duty. I mean, Philippi was a Roman colony. They had guards. Uh, the, the walk guard duty. God's peace will walk guard duty around your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Very similar to Isaiah 26. That will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee. So we have right praying. And then we have verse 8. Furthermore, could be translated furthermore. In some translations, it's finally. But furthermore, brothers... Whatever is true, not unreal, what's true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, let your mind dwell on these things. Be thinking about these kind of things. And the Bible instructs us about all of those things. What's true, honest, right, pure, commendable, lovely, good report, it's the mind of Christ right here. This Think biblically. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Let your mind dwell on these things. So you have to kind of take a concern and go, well, what does the scripture say about this concern? And we're studying the Bible. What does the Bible have to say about this concern that I'm having? And then you have to, Think, well, I've been thinking this, but with all of those passages and verses, I really need to be thinking this instead. We renew our minds one thought at a time. 
You can't just go sit under a spigot and go, renew my mind, Lord. He won't obey for you. He helps us to obey. So we go, Lord, help us, help me re- renew my mind. Okay, what are you, what are you thinking? You know, well, I'm, I'm, I'm concerned and worried about this. Okay, what does the scripture say about that? This is the mind of Christ on the issue. Uh, well, wow, okay, it says that and that and that. Now, what should you say to yourself? Don't, don't listen to yourself. This is a Martin Lloyd-Jones uh, kind of a phrase that he used. Don't listen to yourself. Talk to yourself with truth. In his book on spiritual depression, he says that's our biggest problem. We listen to ourselves. Talk to yourselves with truth. And he, he gets that from Psalm 42 and 43, where the guy's depressed, the psalmist. Oh, then he talks to himself. He starts talking to himself. Soul, why are you in despair? Soul, hope in God. And he, he's talking to himself rather than listening to himself. And that's taking the concerns and go, what does the Bible say about the concerns? I'm going to talk to myself about that concern, but I'm going to talk and think biblically now. But you're not done yet. Verse 9 goes on to say, what you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, keep practicing these things, and the God of peace will be with you. So there's the peace again. The peace of God will walk guard duty around my heart and mind. The God of peace is with me. It's all about peace in that passage. It, it, it's the right dwelling and doxology, and it's the right praying. It's the right thinking, and it's the right doing. All of that can take a concern and keep it in the righteous path where you're being responsible, honoring God, not sinning with worry and into fear. So I'll give you an example here. You have this in your notes, so you don't have to. I'm pretty sure you have it. Oh, you don't have this this part. You can ha- uh, get out. I mean, I'll leave it here with Pastor Terry. Uh, the This is all filled in. So if you want to I want to see a sample of a thought, a concern that's been transformed, renewed. This lady uh, had a major concern. She was pretty vocal about it. Uh, her son was graduating halfway around the world. So he was in London, England, graduating, and she had a very a major concern, anxiety about flying. So she wasn't going to go to the graduation. Uh, she just says, I can't go. I can't handle it. I may face a terrifying death. This is what she said at least four times. I was there at a, a conference, and this was a, a elder's wife, a uh, bunch of elders at the church, and their wives were there. Each elder had one wife. Uh, and we all... <laughs> And we all spoke English, so it was, okay, I, I, I could hear all the conversations. And uh, it's at dinner time, and she's, she's talking pretty loudly now. I'm not going, I'm not going, and this is why. Yeah, I get on a plane, the door's going to open up, and I'll get sucked out. She said that at least four times. And the other ladies were trying to encourage, oh, you know, you're going to miss your son's graduation, and you know how rare it is for a door to open up. Uh, and I'm, I, I'm, at the time, I'm just sort of smiling a little bit, not at her worry, not, not at her anxiety and the pain and angst that she had. I, I'm going, huh, I, if I'm going overseas travel, 
maybe Pastor Terry's the same way, is uh, I'm wanting the exit row. <laughs> you know, there's more leg room. So I, I, I'm, I'm, can I get that exit row? And if I can get by the door, I can lean. Because, I mean, trying to sleep overseas, you know, it's like, oh, if I can lean next to the door and get the exit row, that would be her worst nightmare, wouldn't it? Because how she's thinking. Because I've watched some of these geographical, um, you know, shows on TV where they're going, oh, here's the poisonous snakes in the world over in Australia and some guy's on the hunt for him. He's, she's trying to find him. And he goes, oh, there's one. There, just, just moved. And he's excited. And he's running after it. I mean, I'd be going the opposite direction so fast. No, he's running for it. And he picks it up and he goes, oh, look, at two minutes of it bites you, you're dead. <laughs> but you, you can see how he's thinking is different than how I'm thinking. I want the greatest preservation for myself in Christ. But how a person is thinking about a concern, that's why when you hear someone who's anxious and you go, what's the concern? You go, I don't know why they're anxious. Uh, uh, That would be great if that happened to me. It's just how they're processing at times the concern. And so she's going, oh, man, the door is going to open up. I'll get sucked out. She's very anxious, overwhelmed, fearful, um, and, and doomed if she were to go. She just, like, there's no way I want to feel, she says, I want to feel safe and secure. And obviously she's not in control once she leaves sea level. She's not even in control at sea level. <laughs> but she thinks she is. So let's... Um, she didn't want the help... Uh, I was asked the question. Um, it was an awkward time to be asked the question because she's going on and on about, I'm not going, I'm not going, the door's going to open up. If I get on a plane, I'll get sucked out. And then the pastor stops the whole conversation and says, hey, Stuart, what do you think about her her anxiety and fear? Oh, I mean, that was pretty hard. Um, I, I wish I was faster on my... My feet, and, and I would have said, "Well, Pastor, what what do you think? <laughs> You're her pastor." But that was an awkward thing, and I'll try to come back and remember to tell you what I said. But on the plane home, as I was next to the door in the exit row, I I said, "You know, that how would I have helped her walk through that thought biblically?" using sort of a methodology here in Philippians 4, if she truly was a believer in Jesus Christ. Well, I'd, um, I'd first want her to be aware of the Lord. God was not in any of those thoughts, by the way. I'm not going to see my son graduate, because if I get on the plane, the door's going to open up and I'll get sucked out. Did you hear the name of God anywhere in there? No. She didn't even say, I'll get sucked out, and to be absent in the body is to be present with the Lord. I mean, she didn't say anything about the Lord. And I'm just saying, when you end up worrying, God's missing. Just missing. And just bring him in, but God. And you can kind of veer back 
in handling concerns in a righteous way. But this is what she could be saying. I mean, if I, I, this is what I do. I, I work on my own thoughts. My wife works on her thoughts, and we help people when we counsel. Um, we renew our minds one thought at a time. So we have people journal uh, their concerns. They, ang- they uh, journal their anger, what they're angry about. They journal with whatever it is, and then we take one, one of those, and we start working it through this way. So she could say, you know, I rejoice in you, Lord. You're my Savior and Lord. I know that you are near me right now. That's verse 5. Uh, you promised to never leave or forsake me, even at 30,000 feet. You see all that's going on in, in this situation. He's very aware of her concern. You are my father, and you are able to do in and through this situation more than I can think or imagine as I submit to walk in your ways. He's in control. I'm not. So what can she pray? Lord, please forgive me of my fear and presuming the worst. That's what she's, she's thinking the worst now of, of each situation. If she gets on a plane, it's going gonna, it's gonna to go down. She's going to get sucked out. Something is going to happen. Please help me to not be paralyzed with fear and have a willingness to go see my son graduate. Rejoice with those who rejoice. I want to and need to love others. I thank you, Lord, that you care for me and are good and in control. She's, you'd like to think, she ought to be a Titus II kind of woman who's teaching younger women how to love their husbands and love their children. But she's pretty vocal right there about how to love herself unrighteously. I want to protect me. I'm not going to go see my son. I'm not going to love him and do that. I'm going to just try to love me and self-serve me and not for God's glory at all. So what scriptures... This first thought that you help people work through, a concern or any kind of anxious thought, fearful thought, angry angry thought, it takes some work to work through the first thought. But then it becomes, oh, yeah, my next thought, you know, that I'm worried about, I could pull that verse over and that verse over and that. You know, they all intersect because they're all self-serving. And so you want to pull it's a lot of work for the first one and after that you go oh there's like a template now i can pull from so you see all the different passages there god is my refuge and strength the very present help in time of trouble psalm 46 1 psalm 139 where can i go from your presence i mean on and on these verses go that just go oh look at that it's helping me with that you want to renew a thought not relocate from a thought so if I'm anxious about, oh, I get on a plane, see my son graduate, nah, I'm going to think about shopping. And that's what people do. I'm going to think about something else. Well, then you've never renewed your mind. You relocate rather than renew. We're told to renew our mind. Don't be conformed. Stop being conformed. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. We're to take every thought, philosophy, ideology, captive the obedience of Christ. We're to be renewed in the spirit of our mind. Renewing is what the Lord and the Spirit of God are after with his word. So we're looking for passages that talk about renewing. And Hebrews 4, you know, 
you're scared, you're fearful, why don't you go to a sympathetic high priest who also asked three times, is there any way that this cup could pass from me? But nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. He understands. He understands your concerns. Um, He didn't sin, but he's a sympathetic high priest. You go to him. He hears you. You can help me. Say, help me. Now, here would be a new redeemed thought. Uh, This is taking, uh, to redeem a thought or renew it, you have to have the same subject matter and then think biblically about it. You're like surrounding it all, the subjects and topics, and then you renew it. So we read something like this. Now, Remember, she says, I'm not going to see my son graduate because if I get on a plane, the door will open up and I'll get sucked out. This is what she needs to talk to herself with, with truth. God, because you are sovereign over all, including my life, health, safety, and longevity, and I am in Christ as a new creature and a child of yours, I will love and trust you by flying over with my husband to love my son and see him graduate. I will find comfort and a refuge in who you are and in your promises concerning your presence, your care, your grace in time of need, the hope of heaven, your protection, and your wisdom. If you should ordain, remember, the door might open up, so there's trouble. If you should ordain, because he's in charge of it, if you should ordain any trouble, or even my death, because that's what happens uh, at 30,000, you get sucked out. She's saying to herself, I will be sustained by your grace and even transported into your presence. Because that's where absent in the body is to be present with the Lord. I want to grow in my faith and worship you more each and every day. And then she can pray that new redeemed, renewed thought to God as she walks with him in light of the resources of the gospel. Wow. Now she needs to talk to herself. As soon as that thought pops in, oh, no. You know, she can put it on her smartphone. Just, oh, yeah. And pray it. I mean, that's just scripture that's just taken all those uh, concerns of her and keep her in the right direction with her concern rather than veering over into worry and fear. Now, notice the passages I picked. I didn't pick a few of them up there and put them in where Paul prayed for open doors. (laughs) A little different. It was opportunities to witness. You don't pick those. You don't go looking at concordance for open doors. Now, what can she do? Because she's thinking right now. Right? She's aware of God. She's praying right. She's thinking right. Yeah, but you have to be a doer of the word. Buy a ticket. Round trip. Not, not one way. Buy a ticket. Pray with others. Let other women come around her and, and pray with her because this is going to be a, a challenge. It was a few months off that he was graduating. Make a flashcard. The new thought. Old thought on one side, new thought on the other, maybe with a a verse at the bottom. Ask your church to pray for you. Tell your son that you're coming. Plan a vacation when you get there. I mean, if you can stay, let your son show you around. Get excited about going there and seeing what 
where he's been, where he frequents, you know, just, it doesn't have to be just get on the plane, land, graduation, get back on the plane if you don't have to. That's just renewing your mind one thought at a time. And so what I do is I have for homework, almost everyone I counsel, is that they're learning about an attribute of God per week. God's missing in our thoughts so much of the time. Let's start thinking more about the Lord as he's revealed through the person of Jesus Christ. Uh, So in counseling, no matter what they're dealing with, every week they're learning something, being reminded about some truth about God, his his attributes, his character, uh, his mercy, his compassion. I remember one guy struggling with pornography. I had him study about the omnipresence of God because he, he told me, he said, whenever my wife leaves, I get alone, I'm, I'm all alone, I get on the internet. I go, hmm, all alone, are you? <laughs> uh, maybe you need to get to know uh, and be reminded about the omnipresence of God. We're never alone. Darkness is light to him. And what a life-changing for him to come back and go, wow, I just, I'm thinking she's out of sight, out of mind, which is wrong right there. But I'm thinking all alone and it's dark. It's not dark. And God's always there. And it's just, that's what I want to transform his heart and mind rather than just accountability uh, alone. Nothing wrong with accountability and software on computers and smartphones. And that's all helpful. But the heart and to know the Lord and to reverence him and love him and trust and obey him. So in Christ, you know, in the world, uh, it's sinking. There's, there's no hope in the world. The only hope is in Christ. And it's for eternal concerns, where we're going to be for eternity, but he gives us in his word hope and help for present concerns so that we can continue you know, renewing our minds to handle concerns righteously. And if we fail, and we will, we have Jesus Christ to go to and ask for forgiveness. He is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from unrighteousness. We can, Lord, don't beat yourself up. I mean, don't get in all in wallowing around. Just say, I failed. Go to the Lord. Ask for forgiveness and help. Find out what happened, do a little crime scene investigation, what happened there, and then seek to correct it, repent, trust the Lord, and seek to take concerns and go in a way that pleases him. Well, I know we could spend more and more time thinking through even specific issues, but hopefully that was enough to kind of give you a, a, a good reminder. Some of, of you could teach this. Uh, you've been walking with the Lord for a long time, Uh, But we all need to be reminded, right, to stir us up to remembrance of things that we already know and and need to keep practicing. May God continue to help us, whatever concerns that are weighing heavy on your heart, uh, but God. Just bring the Lord into it and his word. And again, if you're here, I know we're going to have a Q&A time. I think there's a break first and then a Q&A but after that, I linger around. If you, I, if you don't know Jesus Christ, you're not reconciled with him, you haven't placed your faith and trust, you have questions about that, please stay. Talk to someone 
uh, don't leave. May today be that day. Um, well, let me close in prayer, and then we'll have a, a short break. Father, thank you for this time. Lord, we just pray that your spirit would work uh, in a way that uh, is powerful, that takes us all to Jesus. Lord, for those who haven't placed their faith and trust in Jesus, may today be the day that they could be right with you and have um, eternity set and be able to experience the joy and rejoicing of having all of our sins forgiven and to have that peace with God through Jesus Christ. For those who are your children that struggle with worry and fear, thank you again for the reminder from your word that there is help and hope. There's a cure. We don't have to keep worrying and be fearful. We can grow in our trust and handling concerns in a way that brings you the glory, do your name. Help us to encourage one another. When we hear someone talking about concerns, but they don't bring you into it, may we encourage them uh, to think about you and your care for them. Lord, bless the rest of this time and even the Q&A time. Um, May you continue to be glorified in Jesus' name. Amen.